Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I don't think it takes much to understand that the withdrawal from Afghanistan was, well, horrific. In a word, horrific. We left Americans to die. We allowed our enemies to get access to billions of dollars worth of our materials. We gave up an Air Force base that didn't have to be given up. No matter how you look at it, no matter how you twist and turn the thing, it was failure after failure after unmitigated failure. So why would anybody think that with Russia making its way to an invasion of Ukraine, why would anybody think that this administration can do anything to really stop them? The question that I ask Is this a conversation of deterrence or is this a conversation of desperation? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you on Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, Instagram, Tony Katz, and of course, Rumble. You should check out the work I'm doing there, including my morning video series, The Morning Rumble at 10 a.m. Eastern, rumble.com slash Tony Katz. Check it out for yourself. Let me bring in Noah Rothman from Commentary Magazine, Noah C. Rothman. On the Twitter box who has been writing about these issues and digging into these things. The latest being on Afghanistan. Joe Biden is delusional. And I want to make sure we're on the same page here. Um, uh, Noah, I want to play this for you right here. This from Joe Biden's interview with NBC's Lester Holt. An investigative report that's come out about the lead up to the withdrawal from Afghanistan. It, it interviewed many military officials and officers who said the administration ignored the handwriting on the wall. Uh, another described trying to get folks in the embassy ready to evacuate, encountering uh, you know, people who are in, essentially in denial of, of this situation. Does any of that ring true to you? No. No. That's not what I was told that you were told that the U.S. administration officials were prepared, they knew it was time to get out? No, what I was told, no one told me that, look, there was no good time to get out. So let me uh, ask you, Noah, this take that President Biden has taken on this uh, report, is this a rational response from the president? No, it's entirely irrational. He was... He was asked if his administration was in was in denial, and he subsequently demonstrated that he was in denial. And you actually cut off my favorite part of that interview because he goes, "No, that's not what I was told." And then he, you know, he rambles on for a little bit, and so and then Holt says, "Are you rejecting the conclusions or the accounts that are in this army report, this two thousand page army report with on the record comments by a Pentagon brass?" And he says, "Yes, I am." So they're not true. Holt queries. And then Biden says, again, I am rejecting them. So he's not saying that he's that these things are, are false uh, or mis- even misleading. He's simply rejecting our reality and substituting his own 
because he can't comment on the facts of the of the matter. They're all they all played out before our very eyes, and they're now borne out by an after action report. An after action report, by the way, that Jen Psaki, press, White House press secretary, said didn't even exist two weeks ago. Well, we now know that it, that it does exist, and we certainly agree that uh, when it comes to not uh, understanding what's happening and what's going on around you, Joe Biden seems to fit that bill and seems to prove that at day in and day out. We watched how absolutely horrific the withdrawal from Afghanistan was. You make a different case, though, and this came from a, from a text conversation. I want you to, to expand on it, uh, because while you, you don't hold, a, a, as far as I know, a, uh, a position in the military, you're definitely a student, a student of history, student of Cold War, and, and, and of what we're seeing here on foreign policy, that it's impossible for anyone, regardless of political party, to not be able to draw a straight line from the Afghanistan debacle and the withdrawal to what we're seeing uh, regarding Russia amassing on the Ukraine border and what we will see as an invasion. Take us through that direct line. I mean, it's very difficult to prove um, the point that you can't – without Afghanistan as the predicate, you wouldn't get the crisis that we're in or will could possibly be in in the very near future in, in Europe. Um, I do think there is some supporting evidence to justify that claim, because we went through something very similar in April of 2021, Uh, very similar to today, although much more ominous than it was today. Russia moved about 100,000 troops to the Ukrainian border, uh, instigated a crisis there, and Joe Biden uh, intervened very directly diplomatically in that, aggressively and early on, um, and essentially rewarded this kind of brinkmanship with, by giving Vladimir Putin a summit, a bilateral summit with the American president, which is a, a very important thing. A lot of people in the West don't really understand how important it is, how valuable it is domestically to be seen as an, a direct interlocutor with the American president. It's a gift. Uh, and that subsequently diffused the crisis. And then we get this crisis, which is a, a different magnitude, a different order, certainly. Um, and it's much more aggressive. And it still looks like as unthinkable as it is, it's not unimaginable that, that Vladimir Putin could pull the trigger. And it has to be informed by how Joe Biden reacted to the Afghan crisis because it demonstrated that you can get a lot more out of this guy if you simply raise the stakes, make the costs of meeting America's obligations to its foreign partners uh, bigger and more expensive than Joe Biden is willing to, to provide, to, to pay. And he will back down. So, yeah, in that sense, I, I absolutely see that as, as being a direct predicate. So this is where I think within our conversations and maybe where America is, there there's this disagreement about what exactly is the price that we're willing to pay. As we know the story and we talk to people uh, about what's going on with Russia and Ukraine, certainly this is about Vladimir Putin, who wants to see uh, the return of, of the glory of Mother Russia, who looks at the uh, the, the fall of the Soviet Union as, as a personal failing. He, he is a KGB agent through and through. I these things undeniable but we we wonder whether or not this is 
if if we already know that we have a commander in chief who is not capable, we know we have a commander in chief who takes a look at the after action report and tries to deny it right there on national television to everybody's face and and knows that he won't get a media pushback on it, something Trump never would have gotten or a Republican, we could even say, never would have gotten, then what is the point of it all? I don't argue that we should simply uh, just say to the Russians, whatevs, go have a nice day. But there's a real argument that now we have troops in Poland and now we have troops uh, amassing in some other places, not to huge numbers, but certainly to enough of a numbers. Is this really our fight to, to take on with a president who doesn't know and isn't willing to fight? Well, I, that really isn't a matter of, of debate. I mean, the president is the president. He has national obligations and American national interests that he has sworn to see to, whether he likes it or not. Now, he can exercise some discretion on that end, but only to a limited degree, because we do have ratified treaty allies who have a say in the matter. They get a vote. And they want American protection. They want NATO's protection, and up to and including Ukraine. The, the weird thing is that, that we kind of lose in the discourse here is as though we talk about Ukraine as though it's some sort of a pawn. It's a piece that can be moved around and that they have no national ambitions of their own or that it can be summarily re- rejected. Essentially, the West was deterred by the threat posed by Russia to Ukrainian sovereignty. NATO's, the Ukraine's NATO ascension plan, which was agreed to, a plan, was agreed to in 2005, hit a brick wall in 2008 in Bucharest and has never advanced beyond that. There's no, there's no ascension plan for Ukraine. The, America and the West are cowed by the prospect of Russian intervention. That's not something that anybody wants to talk about because the people who like to advance Vladimir Putin's line suggest subtly and coyly that NATO is advancing on Ukraine all of its own accord. This is not true. The Ukrainians are not ambivalent about westward orientation. They have had two revolutions in the space of 15 years in in favor of economic integration with the European Union, not military integration with the Atlantic Alliance. That has resulted in multiple attacks of both uh, kinetic the war in 2014, and uh, Sabrosa, diplomatic efforts, uh, cyber attacks by Russia consistently. And yet the country still backs, according to the polling that we have, integration with the EU by 58 and NATO, but 58 percent and 54 percent, as opposed to codifying a Ukrainian-Russian alliance, which is something to the tune of 20 percent, 25 percent of the Ukrainian public support this. Russia is, in effect, asking us to gift them a sphere of influence one that they cannot secure on their own diplomatically, militarily, or politically, because there's no other way for them to get it. And we're, we're a little intimidated by this, but we shouldn't be giving away any other country's sovereignty as though we had the capacity to even do that. The Ukrainians have demonstrated time and time again that they have a particular national ambition, and they're willing to fight for it, whether we were there for them or not. You know, it's funny that you brought up sphere of influence, because immediately I said, wait a second, I have heard that recently. And where I heard that recently was from Bernie Sanders, uh, the independent senator, the Democratic Socialist uh, from Vermont, who made the statement on uh, in the well of the Senate that it is ridiculous to not think that the United States isn't acting hypocritically here, operating as it does under the Monroe Doctrine. 
because while Mr. Putin, Mr. Uh, Vladimir Putin may be a liar and a demagogue, he says, and I'm quoting, but it is hypocritical for the United States to insist that we as a nation do not accept the principle of spheres of influence. So here is Bernie Sanders making the argument that you believe that Putin is trying to get us to do, which is to gift them the sphere of influence, and he's saying they already have it. That's what that sounds like to me. Yeah, that sounds to me like some very familiar communist propaganda, and I expect that from an old-school socialist. Um, It is nevertheless, uh, again, it sort of assumes that we have the capacity to do this, um, when, again, Ukraine has demonstrated time and time again that they won't accept it. And it also is it's a profound misreading of the imbalance of forces in Russia's own neighborhood. Moscow has routinely deployed military assets to create frozen conflicts, destabilizing conflicts in its neighborhood in the former Soviet Union, the, the former Soviet republics, because their publics aren't interested in integrating with Russia economically or, or, or militarily. Um, the, the only country that you can say which has done this, which has integrated with Moscow without really preconception up to the point of essentially accepting a de facto reunion is Belarus. And Belarus is Europe's last dictatorship. The public has no say in the matter. Everywhere else that they do, and in fact, the Belarusian uh, government very nearly collapsed Oh, last year or two years ago, something along those lines, when there was a, a serious protest movement against Europe, Europe's last dictator. And what did Russia do? Russia introduces troops to stabilize the area. Russia introduces troops to Kazakhstan to stabilize the area. There's a, a frozen conflicts in Moldova and Armenia. Um, half a dozen places within the former Soviet Union that all Vladimir Putin can do to keep his, you know, the, the former Soviet sphere and its, and its various networks of alliances together is to threaten to destroy things, to kill people, to, to smash the country. That is not a powerful force. That is not an influential force. That is a very un, 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 unstable and um, insecure regime. It's acting very insecure. And there's no reason why we should feed into it and, and act cowed by this sort of behavior, but particularly because Ukraine will not let us get away with it. They have made well, it very clear over the last 15 years that westward integration is a national ambition. They will fight for it, and they will and they will make it an issue that we have to vote on, as it were, with our so you, or with our uh, with our influence and our uh, investment. You're making an interesting argument. You're making the argument that if Ukraine has just the slightest bit of help from the United States, they can handle this threat. Now, wait, or are you making the argument that they want to handle this threat because they still want to see themselves as westward looking? They would like the help. But I'm asking if they have just the slightest bit of help from us and what does that help look like? They can actually handle a Russian invasion of 100,000 troops? No, they most certainly cannot. I I didn't say that either. I want to make, but this is me asking. This is not me being accusatory. I want to make sure I understand where you're, where, where you're at. Well, as far as everything, it's not like I'm privy to the intelligence reports, but everything that's been made public suggests that they that the full might of the Russian armed forces brought to bear against Ukraine will decimate the army and overrun the country in the space of, of hours, if not you know a week, perhaps. Um, that's not to say that this won't be an incredibly costly, bloody conflict that will go on for a lot longer than people seem to assume it will. A war of attrition would follow. And a refugee crisis would spill into Western or Eastern Europe, and that would necessarily involve our allies and quite possibly us in efforts to mitigate the fallout from that sort of thing. But, no, the Ukrainian army would be crushed, as far as I understand it, relatively quickly. But that's not the concern. The concern is a destabilizing war of attrition in, on the continent. 
And we know that those uh, refugees, Poland is getting ready uh, for that. There are U.S. troops there. They've already said they'll certainly take Americans, but they're going to get a lot more. We're going to talk about this in the days ahead and continue to break this down and understanding of what's going on in region as opposed to what it is uh, that we hear. Noah Rothman, Commentary Magazine, Noah C. Rothman on Twitter. I appreciate you always taking the time. We've got more. I'm Tony Katz.